Hello, 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 hello. I hope everybody's doing great today. Um, you guys just have Brad today. Joe's going to be out for the rest of the week, but uh, wanted to uh, hop in here and uh, talk about a couple of things that have been going on in the space. This is going to be a shortened version of the show, but uh, there were a couple of things that came on my radar that I think uh, uh, everybody's probably talking about. And so I wanted to go through a couple of those things. Um, first of all, uh, hope everybody was able to catch up with, um, the episodes that, um, the episodes of mission DeFi that I posted up this week. Um, we had, uh, grow protocol. We had, uh, talking about what they're doing and what they're building and that broadcast live this week. And it's also in your podcast feed. And we talked about, um, we had fatty bags on yesterday with an unbelievable story of not only what it was like um, building out uh, Olympus Dow and making that happen, but also a really epic personal life story um, for him uh, that influences everything that uh, he's been doing uh, in the space um, and whatever he's uh, whatever he's up to. Hold on one second, folks. I've got to check going on. Ah, I have a guest that may be coming on um, uh, for us tomorrow on a protocol that I'm going to talk about briefly today, and then uh, going to let him, uh, the founder of the protocol, talk about it uh, tomorrow a bit more. Anyway, um, let's go take a look. So anyway, I hope everyone got a chance to watch those episodes um, and got uh, something out of them. Would love your feedback, thoughts, or comments on that. Today, I said, uh, like I said, it's going to be a short show, but um, I do have a few things I wanted to talk about. Um, the first is um, Bean Protocol. So um, if you've been uh, sleeping under a rock, then you don't know <laughs> that um, Beanstalk Farms was exploited for essentially a shortfall for them of about $76 million. And... Um, you know, uh, as most people know from history, that can be the death knell for a project. And um, in the case of Beanstalk Farms, I don't think it is going to be a death knell for them. It actually looks like um, it could actually turn into being uh, an almost positive thing for them. And I, I know that sounds a little strange to say, but um, it seems like uh, there is a lot of potential that them coming out of this exploit that they experienced is actually um, going to have some benefit to them. And, and, and I, like I said, I know that sounds strange to say, but the fact is this, the team has been um, responding um, in a spectacular way. Um, so first of all, the exploit occurred because um, of their governance protocol. It was not an exploit on the actual stablecoin protocol itself. It was an exploit um, of the governance protocol. And it was actually one that uh, I'm a bit disappointed that it was available for them to get hit with because um, once again, it was an example of flash loans um, being used and then an exploit of an on-chain proposal um, that allowed the exploiter to drain the funds um, of users. But 
the team, while waking up devastated on uh, Sunday morning to the news and finding out and, and truly believing that their protocol was dead and done, their project was over with, um, had saw not only their core team, but their community rally around them um, in an amazing way, like really um, coming forward and saying, I mean, and by the way, these are people like um, Apple, developers at Apple that joined the protocol in the last week. Um, one of our listeners is working on the project and none of them said, fuck it, I'm out of here. None of them said, you can't pay me, I can't work. All of them said, I mean, there may have been one or two, but the team has grown pretty large at this point. All of them said, um, we're in, we're, we're going to make this work. We believe in this protocol enough that we see the promise in it. Um, and despite kind of this shattering uh, impact upon us um, of what's happened with the protocol, we're going to stick it out. And then the community stepped up. I was, I, I've been really following this closely because I've interviewed the Beanstalk Farms folks twice. Um, you can go to missiondefi.com and search on Bean, and um, you can find both of the episodes um, that that I interviewed the team for. And I will be having uh, the team on uh, again um, here very, very shortly uh, to talk about this experience and what they've gone through. But um, the community rallied around people that I'm watching in the chats and people that have lost, you know, a million or more dollars are saying, you know, look, it hurts. It sucks, but I'm here. I love this protocol. I love what you guys are doing and I'm going to fight for it. And to me, that was truly amazing to watch. I mean, I was watching it in real time. Now there were plenty of people angry, obviously, because they'd bet too much on this protocol. There were people that um, were scared of having lost their money and I get that. But at the same time, the um, power of the community and the power of the team supporting the founders, um, I think, really uh, helped to drive them to find a solution. Um, and the solution is actually brilliant because the solution is to use the protocol to solve the problem. Um, and it's really quite simple. Um, starting... Uh, I believe May 2nd, so about a week and a half from today, they are going to have a what they're calling a barn raise, which is a sale of um, pods, essentially, or, or, or bean for a future bean, uh, which is how their system works at, uh, you know, great interest rates. So it's going to start some, maybe at like 20% and then climb over the period of a 10-day auction of people being able to buy up pods at uh, great returns and be first in line in the pod line. So the way it works now is part of what keeps the protocol uh, functioning is um, people have the pods and they are which is essentially bonds. And at a later time, they get some return on their investment at that time. Um, and they are in a line to get those pods. The pod line at the time of the exploit was like 600 million long, um, but you are paid in beans for your pods when your pods mature. Um, and that's how you can, one of the ways you can make money in the protocol. So they're very simply just creating um, <clears throat> a uh, auction or a sale to allow people to 
buy these bonds and get in the pod line, but be at the front of the pod line. So investors that come in will get outsized returns on their money. Um, they will be able to participate in the protocol. It goes to continuing to show the strength of the protocol because it's how the protocol functions. They will be creating a new bean stable coin. I, I don't know if it'll have the same name or not. They came out with a new plan today and I just haven't had time to go through it. But all in all, it's um, a really brilliant plan to just use what they have, their system as they have it, to save the project. Um, if, um, if they are not able to raise the full 76 million, there will be some percentage haircut for people that lost money. Um, but so if, if they raise 90% of that, then you're going to lose 10% of the money you had in. If you, if they only get 50% of that, you're going to lose 50% of the money you had in. But at the end of the day, um, I was listening yesterday to some folks say that they were going to actually uh, invest in the auction, even though they'd lost money because at the, that the returns on that auction may offset the money they lost in the protocol in the exploit. So <clears throat> All in all, really powerful thing. And the other thing that was interesting to me is I was always uh, enamored with the way this thing functioned anyway. And, and I think one of the biggest holes for it is its complexity. I think it's very difficult for the average person to understand. And I think that's one of the things they're going to have to address going forward is how to simplify the presentation of the concepts to people. But one of the things that I hadn't even really thought through, having despite having interviewed them twice, was that this was the fair launch of all fair launches because... There were no investors. There was no upfront. There was no pre-mint. Pre there was no pre-mine. There was no nothing. These guys had to participate in the protocol just like anyone else. They spent nine months building it. Nobody paid them to build it. They built the protocol. They built the system. And the system has really proven itself um, really well over time. So all in all, I'm, I'm excited for the future for Beanstalk. I think that this project, of course, this is not investment advice, but I truly believe this project has a tremendous potential um, to be a powerhouse. Um, and I think it has the potential to uh, provide a link uh, amongst chains. I think it, uh, if, if it comes out of this strong um, because the protocol saved itself, then I think this project will have a huge um, following and community and people actively engaged and building for it. So uh, I'm going to have the guys on a Mission DeFi episode. I don't know if I'm going to do it live or recorded, but uh, we're going to talk through um, not only what they're doing to move forward, but we're also going to talk through uh, the experience of uh, how they felt that, that day that this all happened and then how they have felt over the last few days um, re recovering it. The other thing that these guys did, which I was very nervous about, and I, I reached out to a member of the team about it, um, was they doxed themselves. Um, when they first interviewed with me, they had not yet figured out a way to uh, uh, disguise their voices. And so um, Benjamin, who we know now is Benjamin, one of the members of the team, I think the lead founder, uh, was actually, I found out later, holding his nose while he was talking to me in the interview. Um, and we were joking about that in a chat I was having with the guys yesterday that um, that they, uh, they've come a long way. Anyway, I was nervous about them doxing themselves. I think it's still a risk for them. But I also think it was actually, in hindsight, a, a really smart move because it whenever these exploits happen, the first thing that the really shittiest people in DeFi do 
is accuse the team of stealing the money. And so what they decided was the only way we can shore up confidence and trust in us as the founders, as the team, as the core team is to let the world know who we are um, and take on all the risks with that. Like, you know, when you dox yourself in this space, you are exposing yourself to uh, safety risks, um, to being robbed, to being kidnapped, to being whatever. And it happens all the time. Um, and so you're exposing that risk for yourself. Um, you're exposing risk to your family of being targeted by people that are pissed that they were exploited. Um, you're being exposing yourself to the risk that you would be attacked because of the exploit, even if it wasn't your doing. And you're also exposing yourself to regulators. So um, there's there's a there's a ton of risk inherent in that, and I think it's probably going to um, influence how they operate going forward because um, now they will have to start thinking more closely about the fact that regulators are going to know who they are, and so the things they release, things like swapping mechanisms, etc could um, in fact uh, put them in jeopardy with uh, regulators. So it's going to be interesting to see where all this goes. I'm obviously rooting for the team. I, I am feel pretty confident about what they're doing. I've had some private conversations with the team um, and I'm just so impressed with how they've handled uh, the entire situation and um, hope that they uh, are able to succeed and pull out of this. Um, okay. So had a couple of things I wanted to cover today. Um, so Kobe in the way that he usually does, uh, did a really brilliant article. Um, the guys at, uh, board ape yacht club approached him about their model for, um, their token. Um, and they asked for his opinion on kind of some of the things that they were doing and how they were structuring it, et cetera. And Kobe wrote this amazing piece. And there's a couple of reasons this is important. Number one, it's important because it's, it's great feedback for, uh, the, the board API club team for how they approach, um, staking and their token and trying to preserve value and trying to keep people from selling. Um, and the, the second thing it does is it's an awesome primer for projects because essentially what Kobe does in this piece is walk through the fact that staking is essentially uh, a method to try to keep people from selling. Um, and look, he makes a slight a point uh, amongst the team that it looks like the staking that ApeCoin was proposing was going to be utilized basically so that when investors, original investors were able to sell after their lockup periods, um, they'd be able to without um, other people that were staking selling at the same time. But he also goes really deep into the tokenomics structure and how, you know, um, staking and bur and handing out 17.5% of the total supply isn't probably the best um, use of those funds when there are two sick, you know, there are literally two point that 17.5% is right now worth $2.6 billion. So his point was why not find a better way to get people engaged and holding with the protocol Um because the method of staking just to keep people from selling and to give people more of what they're staking 
is a silly method. I mean, it's common amongst er almost every DeFi protocol right now. But the fact is, is that it's a silly method. Staking originally, as he points out in the article, was about securing a network, securing a protocol. And doing this with um, the kinds of money that this protocol has doesn't make a lot of sense because the staking is not doing anything for the protocol except keeping people from selling. Now, there is value in keeping people from selling um, because when they dump, um, obviously price is impacted and everyone is impacted, but ultimately everyone's going to sell um, those rewards that they get for staking. So you're not really, you're just kicking the can down the road and the perception issues for the original investors, you know, basically wanting some liquidity to get out um, is, is definitely there. The interesting thing was, you know, there are a couple of points in this article that don't paint Board Ape Yacht Club board. They have a board um, in the best light because it's semi accusing them of kind of setting up the staking model to benefit the original investors. I think that um, it was also, he was also pointing out that it made it so that if the original investors sold some of what they had when they were free to sell and were liquid, that it would prevent having a massive impact on price that would impact everyone. But the interesting thing was, even though there were a couple of instances of that in that this article, this was an absolute like world-class primer and guide on how Board Ape Yacht Club, but more importantly, how the whole ecosystem should be thinking about staking and holding value and keeping people from selling and having them participate in protocols and thinking about what you're building. And it's absolutely beautifully written. It's simple. It's clean. And people were outraged in the Board Ape Yacht Club community because they felt like it was an attack on the Board Ape Yacht Club board. Um, to me, it's absolutely ridiculous. I thought this was an absolute golden piece of advice. I thought he was doing them a favor. Um, I think he's doing all of DeFi as favor with this piece. And so I, I think it's just silly for uh, people to say that somehow or another he is slandering or harming uh, Board Ape Yacht Club uh, with with this uh, post. I think it's an awesome post um, that'll be of great benefit to them and to the community. So um, one of the projects that I interviewed in the past is Babylon Finance, which is a uh, essentially uh, a fund building system. And I really, um, Ramon Ricuro, um, the founder of the protocol, um, did whom I interviewed, did a tweet thread on this uh, product, <clears throat> excuse me, called uh, the Fountain of ETH. And hold on one second with me, bear with me while I go find his tweet thread. I thought I had it uh, uh, loaded up, but I did not. But I'm going to load it up right now because I want to kind of go through the points he makes about this protocol because I am uh, aping into this one because I think this is really brilliant. So essentially Babylon is a way, um, Babylon is a way for, um, you or, or for a way for strategists to set up essentially their own miniature funds. They can charge, uh, interest on, um, a commission on, uh, the funds that they set up, but communities can come together in Babylon and create funds with particular strategies in it. 
Um, they pool all the resources together. So essentially most of the transactions are almost gasless. Um, and they're having, uh, they have good gains on the system. System's been in development for quite a while. They have an awesome team. Uh, they have good backers, but this is a great first introduction to Babylon. So if you get a chance, check out Babylon at babylon.finance. But I'm going to walk through quickly what he talks about in the thread as why um, the Fountain of ETH uh, fund within their uh, protocol is so powerful. So um, he basically calls it the number one place to deposit your ETH. The current APY at the time he tweeted this is 40%. It was It's right now at about... Uh, let's take a look. 27.19%, right? Um, target APY for the platform is 15%. Now, last week, we were talking about the idea of staking at Lido or Lido, whatever it is, taking your STETH, borrowing against it, taking more money, putting it into stake more, et cetera, et cetera, right? So I've been advocating for the fact that there are a number of staking pools that if you stake to get your Ethereum, so you stake Ethereum on the Ethereum network and you gain 4.4, 4.5% APY, doesn't sound like a lot. But considering the fact that you are, if you're somebody that's holding ETH anyway and you want to keep holding Ethereum, then the idea of staking it when the price is down as it is now and then earning 4.4% more, the exponential potential gains on all of that, if Ethereum gets to 7,500 or it gets to 10,000 or goes even further than that, are pretty ast astronomical. So the beauty of, of Lido and Rocket Pool is that you can take and stake your coins, take the coins you get as your receipts, and use those to borrow against and get more tokens to put into the pools. Um, and buy more ETH and put into the pools or to play other strategies and plays, right? Um, so my primary goal there is any way that you can grow more ETH or more Phantom, more of these protocol or blockchain tokens that I think are currently undervalued, then you are uh, in a good place. So the idea here is you're earning more ETH. Um, and so... Um, you can deposit, they are on Ethereum mainnet, and you can deposit your wrapped ETH mainnet on the mainnet with them gas-free, right? The other point he makes here, and again, I'm not a tax advisor and neither is he, is that because you're putting this into a pool, the transactions that are happening on the pool are not taxed to you. So his point is, is that there's a very good likelihood that as, a, as you file taxes, having been in this pool, you only are worried about the taxable event at the end when you withdraw. Again, I'm no tax expert, but seems to make sense. Um, fewer fees and more profits. So uh, all of the costs are shared by all the members. As of the time he wrote this, there were 372 members of the Fountain of ETH. So if you were trying to do all the staking and everything yourself, you would have to pay all the gas fees that went along with that. In this case, these are singular transactions of all the pooled assets. And so the gas fees are then split amongst the entire pool and are dissolved into the overall APY. So you would be out the gas fees yourself if you were trying to do strategies like this on your own. They're doing it for you so you don't have to worry about it. So um, on top of that, when you join uh, this pool, you also get uh, their token, Babel. Uh, as mining rewards on top of the staking rewards that you get. So 
he said, then he talks about the value of staking with them and, and you learn more and you get better and you're dealing with people who are experts at doing this. Um, the way the strategy works is uh, STE. So that is the, that is the staking token at Lido that you get for staking. Um, and he takes, they take currently at that time, 3.7 million was allocated to a three X leverage using STE. So they were lending STE on Ave, borrowing more weave, converting weave back into STE and lending it. And they're not actually even having to stake it. They're just buying the STE. So the beauty of it is, is they're not even going through the machinations of uh, staking on Lido. Then they repeat that four times to achieve 3x leverage and a 10 to 15% staking returns with no liquidation risk unless STETH or STETH uh, depegs from the price of ETH. <clears throat> so um, he said, here's the cool part. The cost to execute this strategy was only $550. So that equates out to, at the time of the number of people in there, less than $2 per member. And within 24 hours of launching, it had already generated 0.16 ETH. Um, said, how does it compare? Then he then goes in to compare it against other strategies. At the end of the day, um, this strategy is paying a higher return than most of the other strategy or all the other strategies he outlined and as well, any other strategies I can currently find. I'm going to dive into this one with a chunk because <coughs> I think it has incredible value. I've got to bridge some ETH over from uh, Polygon to do it. But uh, frankly, this to me is a no brainer. Now, the other big risk is contract risk, right? There is a risk of them being hacked or exploited. So you should take that into account. I'm not your financial advisor. I'm not giving you financial advice. Um, you should do your own research on Babylon, on the team, on what they did to make this uh, work and make it safe. But for my own personal uh, use, I'm going to put some money in there. Um, and I am spreading my money out amongst multiple investments these days between stable coins and uh, Ethereum plays and Bitcoin plays. So, um, you know, do your own research and think about it, but definitely don't uh, risk anything you can't afford to lose. Their website is babylon.finance. Um, again, there are other um, pools on there. Uh, that one's the Fountain of ETH. There's a stablecoin pool that's currently paying 27.92% uh, annually using DAI. And I don't know what the heart of Babylon is doing. I th oh, that's the, that's the one that pays you uh, Babel if you stake your tokens from the other gardens. These are called gardens. Um, here are uh, other gardens that they've, um, that they've got going and running. Uh, Forever Stables, Stable Pebble, the Red Pill. So there's a lot of opportunities within Babylon Finance for your investing. Um, and with potentially, you would assume, people who are uh, overall better at this than, um, than we are individually. This one's interesting. Forever Stables currently paying 46.2% APR. Let me quickly take a look at that. Um, what's the strategy? It's all die. Um, thesis: farming stables with convex strategies. So, really simple explanation. Just uh, completely um, investing in the convex plays. So, that's very interesting. I like seeing it. Um, that one's paying well. I would encourage you to go listen to my interview with uh, Ramon. Uh, really impressed with him and the team. And uh, I think this project has a lot of potential. So um, I don't know why I had this open. 
Uh, oh, uh, I know what it is. Uh, Algify Governance Vault. So the Algorand Governance Vault uh, went live and uh, unlocked 2.7 billion of liquidity for the Algorand DeFi ecosystem. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on that, but you know, I'm often harping on Algorand. I like to see them moving forward, and I think that um, uh, seeing them having having um, the governance system have staking rewards go online is a good thing to see. So I'm happy to see that. Um, I am going to potentially have a guest on tomorrow from this product project, a project called Printer Financial. One of our listeners is a, a member of the core team and the community there at Printer Financial. Um, and at first blush, I wasn't excited. Um, by the way, they are doing an upgrade to their UI and UX. Um, but all I saw when I looked at this site was, oh, great, another bridge. Um, you know, And bridges right now are not uh, very well regarded after wormhole and other hacks um, on bridges. That said, bridges are going to be a part of DeFi for a while as people try to do more and more cross-chain. And so um, the listener that invited me to take a look at the project invited me to go listen to an AMA um, last night. And so I did. And the founders uh, goes by the name of Atlas. And he was incredibly impressive on the call. And the reason, uh, and this isn't the only bridge that does this, but the reason he considers um, Printer to be uh, a better bridge and, and a safer bridge is because they do a burn mint process. So when you're bridging with Printer, the tokens you deposit are burned and then reminted on the other chain. So there's no holding of tokens um, leaving them vulnerable to the kind of hacks that wormhole went through. Um, to me, this sounded very interesting. So last night after I listened to the AMA, I came in and I actually bridged some tokens right now. Currently you're using their token called paper for the bridge, which also actually makes me feel a little safer about it. Um, there is the risk that you buy paper and while you're in the middle of bridging the price drops, but they are building out cross chain swaps as well. So you are going to be able to come in with tokens and swap those tokens from one chain to another chain to a different token if you want to. Um, they currently are on six chains already, uh, having just recently launched. The developer, the primary developer, Outlast, I'm thoroughly impressed with. Listen to him talk about his background. Um, a lot of security operations, development, high-end enterprise level development experience. Overall, I'm just really impressed with um, how he talked about the protocol, what he's trying to build, why he built it, how he did, and what he sees as the use of the protocol. This is, there's no pre-mine there was no investors. There's no VCs in this project. Um, it's just you see what you see is what you get. Um, but the utility of this is what's most impressive to me. And, and one of the things I'm going to talk to him about um, when I have him on the show, he'll probably be on the show tomorrow here on DeFi Lunch, um, is you know what their plan is from a business development perspective. Because for me, I, and they were smart. They've gone after protocol partnerships already that are with kind of mid-tier. And I think that's a really smart approach. Um, they're going with protocols and chains um, that aren't, you know, they're not on Ethereum yet, which I hope they will soon. Um, but they are um, um, going after projects that they can integrate with. And that's really what I want to see a project like this do. I want to see it integrate tightly with other protocols so that protocols that are on multiple chains 
don't have to send people out to a secondary bridge. They can integrate directly with a protocol like this and um, start bridging tokens from within their interface. That to me um, is where a protocol like this could really thrive. But when I bridged, um, I should have saved some of that paper that I had held that I had. Um, when I bridged using the protocol, though, it was exceedingly fast. I mean, there was no delay. I'm not waiting for um, big confirmations on either end. I moved, I bought their token paper that you use for the bridge for now. I bought it on Phantom. I bridged it to Polygon. And then I, bri and every time I confirmed in my wallet, and then I bridged from Polygon to Binance, and then I bridged from Binance back to Phantom. There was not a hiccup. There was not a glitch. It went like that. It was impressive and fast. I never felt like I was like, oh my God, is my money going to go through like you normally do with bridges? It just was um, really a fantastic experience across the board. They're redoing the UI. They have a strong core team. I listened to all the team members yesterday talk about their plans, how they're growing the project, uh, what they're trying hard to do. Um, Diza, the guy that introduced me to them, has been uh, really impressive in my interactions with him. I sent over a, a good amount of advice to him about um, what, um, what I think the protocol could do to grow. But this to me, so the other thing about this is, is they don't have a ton of liquidity right now. But what's interesting is their staking pools are paying really decently. And they have staking pools. I, I only know so far, I've only looked at Phantom and, and Polygon, but they have staking pools right now paying decent APRs. And a single-sided uh, staking pool that earns their other token, Inc., um, which we'll have Atlas talk a lot more about that tomorrow, but earns their other token, Inc., um, so basically you can single side stake and you're earning 427% in ink uh, against their token paper uh, to stake. But you can also set up LPs and you're earning 323% with paper FTM, uh, another liquidity providing of 428% uh, with ink paper, and then ink FTM at 508%. And they have the same thing on um, Polygon. So they have a whole nother set of staking pools uh, on Polygon, look at this, 801% for a paper Matic LP. Ink paper LP on Matic is 909%. Ink Matic, 1,437%. And uh, deposit paper earned ink, single-sided at 543%. So right now, this is one of those projects that I actually, I've been looking more and more and more at low market cap, micro cap projects that I think have good principles, good technology, good design, and good teams. Um, and this is one of those projects that's now kind of on my list. And so my goal um, is to start diversifying my portfolio into, you know, 15, 20, maybe up to 30 small micro cap projects that I think have good bones. Um, and with the hope that a couple of those, like a venture capitalist, uh, you know, maybe three out of 30 or two out of 10 or 20, um, hit the moon, right? Because if they can pull it off and do the right things to get the projects integrated properly, I think there's a ton of potential for um, a project like this to come on board. And from what I heard in the AMA yesterday, they have quite a bit of uh, plans for uh, growing this out and adding new functionality. The cross-chain swap thing will be amazing. Um, if I can use a protocol like this, that's very fast, that I feel safer about from a bridge perspective, that's less complicated, easier to use, then the idea of being able to um, 
rapidly bridge um, and swap one token to a different token and be on the other protocol I want to be on is fantastic. And if they can integrate with existing protocols and make it easier for me to hop around, for example, um, Beefy, right? Like um, I want to uh, do multiple protocols on multiple chains on Beefy. Well, it'd be ideal for Beefy to have a platform like this integrated. Um, because then their users don't have to leave and get distracted by going to a bridge to try to get tokens over and they can reduce the resistance and friction to getting people to participate in their strategies. So if you're sitting on six ETH in Polygon, but you like a strategy that uses ETH on Phantom on Beefy, it'd be really ideal to have a protocol like this integrated directly in so that those cross-chain transfers happen and into the token that you need them to be in. So anyway, really, really impressed with that. I don't think I had anything else major today, guys. I said it was going to be short, but it was actually not that much shorter than normal. Uh, we're at 37 minutes so far. Um, lots of lots of stuff happening in the space. I have been, and Joe and I have been buried on, on a project we're working on. And so we really decided this week to take some time to focus on that project. So that's what the last three days were. But uh, I miss doing this. I miss talking to you guys. I miss hearing from you. And uh, I'm uh, glad to be back in the saddle. So thank you so much for listening. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Please like, share, subscribe, uh, rate us on Apple Podcast Tools and on YouTube. Um, thank you for listening and watching. And as always, if you'd like to reach out with your ideas, with your suggestions, with projects like Printer Financial that you think are interesting and have potential, please don't have to hesitate to message me B05Crypto, B05Crypto on Telegram and Twitter. Uh, same on Discord, pound 2143. Thank you so much. I hope everyone has a great Thursday.